from the pages of rpmnewsweekly.com, the site that brings you automotive news that goes behind the headlines. This is the RPM News Weekly Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the RPM News Weekly Podcast. My name is Peter. With me, as always, is Rich. Rich, say hello. Hello. How's this going today? Yeah, it's going pretty good. It's kind of bleak out, getting a little colder. You know, the leaves are falling off the tree. Oh, yeah. But I uh, I do have a shiny red Cadillac sitting in the... Actually, it kind of matches the leaves, I guess, uh, falling off the tree. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's sort of a cadillac theme week for us because, you know, we've got the... We had a Cadillac presentation at the New England Motor Press. What, what was it called? The Cadillac Live? Was, was that the name of the presentation or... Well, yeah, if you hashtag Cadillac Live uh, uh, in any of your correspondence online, your social media, uh, it references this Cadillac Live presentation and also what they're doing at uh, Cadillac to sort of virtually bring people into the dealership. Right. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, also, as I mentioned, I have the, the CT5. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. And also, I think we're going to get into some of the Cadillac naming conventions. So, uh, Rich, you want to kick it off? Well, yeah, because, you know, with the naming, they've been through a few uh, few challenges, let's say. <laughs> and uh, we'll get, but we'll get to that. I think, I guess, k- kicking it off is like, let's, Describe more or less what uh, the idea of uh, Cadillac Live is. Uh, uh, there's a website that folks can go to. It's called live.cadillac.com. And it presents a personalized one-on-one tour of a Cadillac of your choice or several of them. If you're in the market for a Cadillac, it gives you the opportunity to virtually get in the cars. The fellow that was doing the tour for everyone in the press conference that we had, his name was Zane. And he is one of the Cadillac live agents. So he started off with the CT4. Uh, there was a CT4 Sport uh, that was uh, being presented at first. You know, it's, it's a it's a great way for a person who might be interested in one of the vehicles. And uh, with the pandemic, especially, and it was sort of good timing on the part of Cadillac to be able to introduce this at the same time at which. Uh, the pandemic kind of shut down a lot of businesses everywhere. Certainly made it very difficult for car dealers to get people into the showroom and driving cars, uh, especially if you're worrying about catching a virus that uh, could kill you. So uh, what they've done is, is that they've made it possible for customers or patrons to come in and get a really close, hands-on look at the car in live time. You know, So there's uh, video cameras that are, are available and the the spokesperson also has a video camera so you get a real up close and personal tour of the car but with someone who is, is thoroughly knowledgeable uh, and is not there to in particular to sell you a car at their dealership this is a not, not a specific dealership this is coming directly from Cadillac so of course they're going to be interested in having you purchase a car but uh, it's not a hard sell uh, by any stretch, it's really a way to get you to be familiar with the with the vehicles in in a up close and personal way with someone who is thoroughly knowledgeable about the car. So that's uh, that's how it got started. Uh, if we we could talk about the specific cars as we kind of go through some of this, how does that sound? Yeah, I mean, if you want to go through the whole uh, the lineup, uh, yeah, the whole the the whole uh, Cadillac Live thing, I. I it's it's interesting that of course in this day and age you know it's it's the right tool to have and 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 you might think that they rolled it out just for the pandemic but I guess that's something that they had been working on 
would you say in Canada, maybe even as a pilot program, or was it was it like I a, believe so. Toronto was the the starting point. I think it it came out of Toronto. So so Cadillac's sort of been moving to that future anyway. I mean, even before the pandemic hit, and and I think even back in the you know if, if you remember a few years ago they had the I think it was called Project Pinnacle. They had a um, a plan to sort of not eliminate like smaller dealers, but they you know they were going to thin out dealers and, and and offer to buy dealers out. And they wanted to move to sort of a, a, a more of a showroom model, like something that Tesla's doing in right. certain areas right. where, where you know, they had car dealers at the time that were selling like one car a week. <laughs> so, um, so and of course, that proved to be a little bit unpopular. But then they, the, the whole concept, I think, was tied into sort of doing this like virtual showroom. And, and um, which just goes to show, you know, they're trying to do stuff sort of to stay ahead of the curve. I mean, it, it's, which is kind of funny because Cadillac is such a legendary brand, you know, the name Cadillac goes back so far in, in luxury and, and, you know, it got drowned out a little bit by, uh, definitely the Germans, but also when Lexus came in and, and Acura came in and, you, mm-hmm. you know, Cadillac sort of, you know, it used to be the Cadillac of, of, of everything, I guess. It embodied the word luxury, especially here in America. Yeah. Uh, for generations. Right. I mean, if you if you bought a, you know, if you were in the suburbs in, in the 1960s and you brought a, you know, brought home a Cadillac Eldorado, that was like a big news. You know, people came to see people came to look at it. And, and uh, right. it was the ultimate bling. Right. Right. <laughs> before yeah, bling, at the time, yeah. Before the word bling came, um, came so, to the fore. So, you know, in the 80s and 90s, the cars kind of became a little bit ho-hum and just rebadge Pontiacs or Chevys or, or Oldsmobile. And uh but I think Cadillac is 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 a little bit underrated today. I mean, even you know now that the the ATS is discontinued, of course, and the CTS is discontinued, but those were very underrated cars, you know, performance wise. And, and even like the the CTV, they had the ATSV. Those those were, were you know really good performance cars. And a lot of I think performance enthusiasts might know that. But but it, it, it's sort of that. How does a brand that's been around for so long and and almost has like this sort of this is what Cadillac a lot of people think Cadillac should be in the 1960s with big chrome bumpers and and you know and as that generation sort of moves on and and you get into newer generations who grew up looking at Acuras and BMWs it's like how does a brand like that evolve themselves and and look for new ways to sell and and, and get their name out? Some of those cars uh, really should have gotten a lot more attention than they got. Uh, very, you know, not only performance oriented, but uh, uh, you know, just what they were able to provide uh, an owner in terms of luxury and performance. But they never seemed to get a lot of traction, right, uh, and, in the public's eye, anyway. Uh, and uh, but Cadillac has stuck with it, and and you know, I think they've got a pretty decent lineup going right now. Uh, and maybe with some of the naming changes that they have and nomenclature for the vehicles, it might serve them well. Then than what was going on before. Uh, it was a little bit confusing to kind of keep track of what was what with uh, their naming uh, structure. Yeah. But I mean, let's talk a little bit about this uh, CT4, unless you want to jump right into the CT5 that you're driving. No, I uh, mean, There, there can... are certainly uh, similar, uh, well, similarities, or should I just say there are certain things that carry over from one to the other. Right. But uh, you know, they're, they're clearly intended for two different audiences. Um, one is a, a little bit longer than the other. Uh, 
So you, you sort of got this whole subcompact compact kind of thing going on with, with the two of them. Uh, although I find it hard to call either one of them a subcompact. It just doesn't seem to fit. But nevertheless, I think that's what they're going for. Uh, but either way you go with either of the, the CT4 or the CT5, I think part of the, the trim strategy when you start to look at what they've got uh, for trims, uh, which are in, in both uh, both lineups, you got a luxury, a premium luxury, a sport, and a V-series. The, the idea, though, within those is to be able to customize the vehicle uh, to something that really represents what the customer wants, how the customer wants it to look uh, and feel. Uh, with the uh, that split between the luxury, premium luxury, and then you've got the sport and the V, that's kind of where the split is, is, is uh, uh, the first two, the luxury and premium luxury, kind of represent one sort of uh, general concept and then you've got the sport and the and the v which go more towards the uh, performance look and and uh and ultimately of course with the v full-on performance uh so uh, i mean if you want to look at it very simply you could say you know luxury and premium luxury that's the the chrome trim and the sport and the v are the black trim uh but of course there's a whole bunch of colors you can get for either the cars in between mm. but but generally the highlights that's how the highlights kind of break down between the two uh you know with the, from the grill to the the matching window surrounds etc either you get chrome or you get black uh, depending on which of those two you want to go with right and then there's a few dif differentiations when you get into what's under the hood as well yeah and and you see that uh you know, with the sport, as you mentioned, you you sort of get that whole blacked out treatment, and it actually looks really good on the on the the new Escalade, and we'll talk about that maybe a little later. Uh, but you know, it, you can kind of have that that flavor, if you will. Do you want it to be? Do you want that Cadillac sort of bling luxury going on? You know, with the grill, and or do you want like, or do you like a sort of a a subtle sort of uh, I say sleeper, but you know, like a sleeperish sort of sort of look or, or uh, but you know you talked about platform differences there really isn't there really isn't a lot of difference as far as the platforms go uh, they're both based on the same platform as the um, as the Chevy Camaro which which is nice because you know that in a way they could sort of borrow some performance because that you know the Camaro obviously was built to be a performance car but um, but it also shows, you know, there's some flexibility in the in the in the platform and in the fact that it's rear wheel drive based. And if you're looking for a performance vehicle, you know, front wheel drive based vehicle is going to be, you know, it's going to be fine, but it's not going to be sort of, you know, that that same feel that you would get if you were, you know, on twisting through the back roads in a, in a front wheel drive car. Certainly, uh, and especially too is, is that it being rear-wheel drive, you've got a longitudinal uh, drivetrain setup, you know, and, uh, and and that makes a huge difference in the weight distribution of the car. In fact, with these cars, the weight distribution is closer to fifty-fifty than you would get ordinarily with any of uh, the vehicles in the uh, front-wheel drive. Uh, you know, that would fall even in, whether it's in this class or any other class. You know, the, the front-wheel drive vehicle tends to uh, lean more on the 60-40 weight distribution. So you've got a car that just intrinsically is, is a little bit more well-balanced, uh, which will give you better handling and just better road stability. So 
starting right there, you can already kind of sense the, the premium aspect of the car. Yeah. It, and it's interesting that they did choose to do two new sedans after, you know, the like I said, the ATS and the CTS were, they were they were good, you know, they were, like I said, they, they were underrated. They were good cars. But you know they they weren't sales leaders by any by any stretch of the imagination, and the fact that Cadillac decides to roll out two new sedans to replace them is 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 interesting in this day and age when everybody's run into crossovers and you know CUVs and and uh, SUVs. Oh yeah, but uh, one of the uh, uh, I guess a, a real defining difference too, uh, both of these models while having that uh, added advantage of a longer hood. Because the car is longitudinal, the, the, the distance between the steering wheel and the axle uh, can be increased a bit because uh, you know they're, they're not confined by by the uh, uh, the way in which the engine is positioned. Uh, uh, if it, if it were going across the axle instead of uh, uh, longitudinally along the car, so it gives them an advantage there. But there is a, a about a seven inch difference in the wheelbase as well between the CT4 and the CT5. The CT5, of course, being the longer one, or maybe I shouldn't say of course, because uh, that part that ties into the, the new nomenclature that they have for the vehicles, which we'll, we'll get into uh, in, a, in a few minutes. Uh, one of the interesting things, though, is as far as the the, the engine breakdown, well, <laughs> wrong word to use, engine breakdown, uh, but to break down the, 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 the way in which they've got the, uh, the, the availability of uh, two different uh, engines for uh, both CT4 and in, and in the CT5. Uh, a two-liter turbo is kind of the base engine for both the CT4 and the CT5. It's a, uh, it's a turbo uh, four-cylinder, 237 horsepower, 258 pound-feet of torque. It's made it to an eight-speed automatic. In the, in the CT4, in the CT5, you get a 10-speed automatic with it. The alternate engine for the CT4 is a 2.7 turbo so four-cylinder uh, V-series uh, uh, gets it uh, with a uh, 325 horsepower, uh, 380 pound-feet of torque. But it's also offered as an option in the premium luxury, but surprisingly not in the sport. In the premium luxury, it's uh, it, it loses, uh, it drops uh, horsepower down at 309 versus the 325 that's available in the V series, and uh, the torque drops down to 348 versus 380, and that's made it to a 10-speed automatic. But when you go up to the CT5, the two-liter is available in a 10-speed, or it, it comes uh, standard with a 10-speed. Excuse me on that, uh, but you also have uh, a three-liter twin turbo that is available in the premium lux and is standard in the, the V-series. Puts out 360 horsepower and 405 pound-feet of torque uh, in the V-series, and, uh, and it drops a little bit uh, down from that uh, in the uh, premium lux. Now, that's interesting that the 2-liter is still offered at all, and I wonder if it's sort of a, if it's a cost thing, or, or if they're, because the 2.7 the is their new engine. Like, that's the latest and greatest, I think. Uh, but the but the two liter, I mean that engine's sort of the workhorse. That that engine has been in, I think everything at this point. <laughs> that that GM. But I think it's modified for the for these new cars. I actually heard the, one of the reps say uh, the two new engines, or something to that effect. So the, the, let me let me to believe that it was at least a modified version uh, of the two liter. Yeah, I mean possibly, but that GM Ecotech has been around. 
and and that's not I'm not saying it as a dig. I mean the thing is is definitely proven. I mean it's been in a it's been in in whatever iteration it's been in a, a lot of vehicles and not just here overseas as well. Like Opel carries that engine and I mean it's been in everything from the Chevy Cobalt to I think it even made its way into the Silverado at at one point. It's definitely in like the Equinox, the Traverse, the Camaro. The, the, remember they added it to the Camaro a couple of years back. But um, mm-hmm. so I, I, you know, you got to wonder if it's if it's cost basis. I mean, they've been making them long enough where they probably have the costs down on that engine, or is it just a kind of a a, a placeholder until the two seven is is fully going and and you know there's a, a, a supply of them because uh, the power, of course, is is that's is, a good question. The power is is a big difference. I mean, if you look at the turbocharged two two point seven liter. I mean that's 320 horsepower and 369 foot pounds of torque. I mean that's no, that's no slouch for a four cylinder. You know that's a four cylinder engine. <laughs> we think about it. You know. Yeah. That I mean that that engine yeah. in, in a lightweight, in a lightweight car would be. I mean even in, even in the Cadillacs it's it's it, because the, you know the ATS I mean the um, the CT4 I guess I should get used to calling that. You know that. Um, is an interesting, is an interesting analogy too. Is is that the increase in horsepower going from the 2-liter to the 2.7 is as much horsepower as you get in some of those very small 1.3-liter engines that are out there. Hmm. It's, it's almost a, a 90, it's a little bit more than, uh, uh, I mean, let me do the math here very quickly. No, it's just a little bit less than 90 horsepower more. Uh, it seems to me some of those 1.3-liters, that's about all the horsepower they get. Uh, so uh, yeah, that is a pretty good, good jump. Uh, for a, a four-cylinder engine, and that uh, just to kind of go back and correct myself, that that the two-seven is the one you get in the Silverado, and that makes sense. I mean, when you look at when you look at the power of that, that's it, it, but it, it goes to show you that you know Cadillac. I mean, not Cadillac. That GM in general is, is you know looking for ways to kind of improve efficiency while also improving performance, and it's it, it's a leap ahead of you know the other four cylinder but that the fact that they're willing right. to put it in the Silverado which is their you know their best selling vehicle I mean, you don't want to if you're a company like GM and, and you sell so many Silverados you sort of live off of that you don't want to jeopardize the reputation of that vehicle by putting in a, a sort of junk engine so to speak so you know it, it speaks highly of it that 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 they have faith in it well to, yeah, another thing about speaking highly, you know, the the the, the sedan has kind of been like, you know, the, the, the dropping down the totem pole uh, in many people's minds as far as availability of automobiles and desirability of automobiles. You see, the rise of the SUV and the crossover had, uh, on the surface of things at least, pointed to a demise of the sedan. Uh, some of the manufacturers, though, are saying, no, that's not really the case. And Cadillac is definitely one. In fact, uh, if I were to quote the global product manager, Ken Cornus, who was involved in, in the presentation that we received uh, uh, at NEMPA, NEMPA being the New England Motor Press Association, which we're, Peter and I are, are members of. Uh, and the quote from Ken was, uh, Cadillac is not abandoning doing great sedans. So this is an indication. Uh, this will, this uh, in, in a certain way, it represents a third of their lineup. Uh, when you when you look at the full lineup going from the CT4 uh, through the XT, 
models and then to the escalate uh, so uh, you know that's a that's a statement uh, I hope it's true I, I don't I in particular in many ways favors our sedan over a crossover uh, it depends on you know it depends on what you're doing you know that's the whole thing is it depends on what what your plans are for the vehicle yeah and that goes back to what I was saying about them launching two new sedans you know that kind of proves that that point or that proves you know what they're, what they're saying and we've heard that from a couple of manufacturers too that that sedans aren't dead and and, and I guess even even Tesla you know is sort of a good example of that I mean their two best-selling cars are sedans you know granted that's a whole different sort of market or even a, like a, a niche so to speak but but they don't have a you know they didn't have like a traditional SUV and they still do pretty well as far as vehicle sales go so but uh, yep. now, now that said, we're going to totally contradict ourselves if we talk about you know <laughs> Cadillac's kind of extensive um, SUV lineup, and, and of course they're leading up to the the new Escalade, I guess if we want to breeze on that a little bit, and and, and a little bit of the future right. of Cadillac. Well, but uh, well, you know, before before we depart the CT, yeah. the, the world of the CT, tell us a little bit, bit about your experiences this week with the CT5 that you've been driving. Oh well, you know, I, I I haven't driven it a ton. Uh, you know, I just picked it up yesterday actually, and I drove a. I went. I made sure to kind of take a, a little bit of a back roady road home. You know, I I wanted to kind of when I get a car like that, or when I get it, most cars, unless it's like the you know, unless it's like a truck or something. But I I do tend to kind of take them around the back roads, go up through New Hampshire. You know, I, I live in New Hampshire, so kind of yeah. instead of just getting on the highway. But of course, it's you know, it's it's responsive it handles pretty well um it's funny because i came out of uh i came out of the um buick um with, with the crossover there why can't i think of the name of it now <laughs> the encore gx that, that was, that's right i was, couldn't think of the gx mm -hmm. so i came out of the encore gx and in, in which you know just to kind of retouch on that a tiny bit that was that was a pretty good car although i think it could use a little sound deadening that's probably you know the, the biggest complaint i could have about that car but but it, it's funny to go into the cadillac and 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 there's sort of this like such a similarity between the two vehicles as far as how the switch gear and the and the software but but it it's still you know it still has its own personality with the cadillac but you, you're sort of if you go from one gm to a, another gm vehicle there is sort of a a consistency with the way that everything's laid out on the steering wheel and the buttons and the right and, th and that's not a dig i mean that's you know it's not like somebody's gonna jump into that car and be like oh my god this is just like a, a another car you know it, it it um it's pretty smart on gm's that's, part it, you know it, as far as cost cutting goes so but again right it, and it's, been, it's it's kind of standard operating procedure for a lot of manufacturers right yeah, especially you know, dodge when you go like fca when you jump around between their products, you, you definitely find that. Um, but it's nice layout. You know, I like the way that they lay things out. And if you look at the touchscreen on this CT5, it has two little knobs underneath, one for volume, one for kind of scrolling. I, li I like that. It's like, why can't everybody just have that simplicity right there? But you also get the, <laughs> yeah. the, you also get the knob down on the shifter, which I really didn't find myself using all that much. You know, I'm so used to either touchscreen or, or, you know, I didn't really need to, um, but yeah, mm -hmm. I'll definitely probably talk about it a little bit more next week when I get a chance to drive it and maybe put it through some family paces and 
Um, well, I'm curious, speaking of uh, putting it through the paces, when you drove up into those roads in New Hampshire, the uh, the suspension system on the C uh, these CT models, it's a uh, MVS damper system, which uh, stands for modular valve system. Yep. And, and I mean, allegedly what it does is uh, it gives you a smooth ride when you need a smooth ride, but you know, when you bite into the curve a little bit, uh, it also is, is not wishy-washy uh, when you need it to, to, to give you a little bit more support. Is that how you kind of felt about it? Is it just a general sense of, of how the car felt on the road? Uh, I didn't really get in any real rutted roads, you know. Um, but I, I could tell you, you know, it is definitely is responsive. There are some pretty good curvy roads. I actually drove from um, Hanneker, New Hampshire, up to where I live. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, of bends and kind of roads that go. It's almost like a roller coaster in a way. And I can tell you, like, there's a couple mm -hmm. times where I came around the corner and, uh, and not driving too aggressively, but, you know, spirited. We'll say spirited just to be nice. And, and there was work crews there with no no warning like i came across a tree tree crew <laughs> and they didn't even have a flag guy on which is kind of unusual you know so you come around the corner and the and the brakes are really responsive in that so they're not like skidding to a stop but you know i, I had plenty of control but as far as you know when you come around a corner and there's a guy standing there with a freaking truck you, you, you that you're not expecting to be there which is pretty stupid you know it it stops without hesitation without any drama so you know things yeah. like that but i'm presuming it's that's not a V series that you're driving, right? No, no. This is the I want to say what was the uh, the premium? Oh, let me go back to I, I just switched my page out here. It's it's the middle of the road. No, I was gonna say it is the V6. It's the premium luxury, but it's equipped with the V6. Oh yeah. Well, the reason I mentioned is is that as far as the suspension goes, when you go up to the V series, uh, they put in uh, the fourth generation of the magnetic right uh, ride ride control system. So it's a, a you know even more performance sport oriented kind of suspension system right and that system gets a lot of positive reviews i mean that's one of the sort you know if you order that car or if you get a a if you were to order a v-series uh i don't know if it comes standard in the v-series uh but but it certainly gets a lot of praise as, as being a uh not only responsive system but it's very smooth and a matter of fact like the all the new gm trucks are coming out with it, the suvs uh, like the Tahoe and the and the Yukon and of mm -hmm. course the Escalade, they're all they're all offering that magnetic ride control, and it's supposed to do wonders for those. An interesting note about that: if you if you go with the uh, V series, there's a switch on the steering wheel where you can switch the car immediately into V mode. There is a control on the, the console that you can use to to select your drive mode so you could get to it that way but if you want some you know to do it fast without having to do that right there at your uh, fingertips uh, your thumb reaches over and presses the v mode and uh, that will put you into the you know the ultra performance mode but you can customize and create this like customized mode that is uh, uh, allows you to adjust uh, the various parameters for sound of the engine and uh, transmission mapping and uh, also the magnetic uh, uh, suspension system so you can create your own sort of uh, V mode and uh, it gives you just another way to, to control the car especially on that uh, that very high-end V series and either the CT4 or the CT5 well uh, you know while we're kind of at this juncture what if we uh, take a few minutes just to explain 
what the naming system is. Uh, how does that work? Uh, you know, C, you've got CT models, XT models, you've got the Escalade. Yeah, the Escalade uh, name will always be around. It's sort of its own brand. Matter of fact, I think they were going to make it a brand at one point. But, you know, personally, I'm not a big fan of, you know, companies that are switching from actual names to sort of these three-digit codes. You know, I wasn't a fan of when Lincoln did it back when they had the MKZ and MKS. It's just all very confusing, you know. People didn't really know what each vehicle was. You know, uh, who knew the MKZ was a... As a matter of fact, I don't even remember what it was. Oh, the MKZ was a sedan. The uh, MKX was the crossover. But just kind of confusing. Well, this does simplify it. You know, I know what you mean with with Lincoln. It was it was hard to remember what, what models were, were which. Uh, to me, this is a little bit like the BMW system in, in a lot of ways. What they've done is is that they've used the T, where whether you've got the CT a CT uh, model or an XT model, and the T harkens back to uh, you know the heritage of uh, being a touring car. So that's where the T comes from. So you'll see that on both the sedans and the. Uh, uh, most of their, their 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 SUVs. The C stands basically for car. Just call it a car. And the X stands for crossover. So it's easy to remember then. If you get a, a CT, you've got a car. It's a touring car. And then the question is, is whether it's a four or a five, at least at this point, um, and uh, or six. It, so it, as you go up the the, the to the higher numbers, you're going up uh, a class in the car, so that's easy enough to remember. That's basically it's it's uh, you know position and size of the car. So you've got CT four, CT five, CT six. Uh, then when you go into the uh, XT models, the same sort of thing, except there are crossovers. It, you know the numbers will represent position and size, and the XT basically means that it's a touring crossover. Then you get the Escalade, which is a in its own world, uh, the, uh, the, the they described it in this uh, in so many words as uh, they're not going to be changing that name. Uh, the Escalade means something in the marketplace; it really does. It's an iconic name, so uh, I, they're not going to be changing that. But we are presented with a little bit of a question: is to the lyric. Uh, the LYRIQ model, which uh, I don't know that it's, uh, it's we've got a whole lot of familiarity yet, but back in August, uh, Cadillac was talking about their new all-electric model, which uh, I guess is yet to yet to make it to the marketplace. Uh, so I guess you, I, don't, I don't recall them calling it a concept car. So it seems to me that it might be further along than being a concept. It, it's got a, a look that's a little, a little bit like a, a Land Rover Evoque in, in profile, uh, but it's a all electric car. So where does that fit in? How you know? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, being that it's their first like full EV, are they going to? give it a name like that so it has sort of its own identity and it is like the Escalade in a way or are they going to kind of roll it into the naming structure you know instead of like XT5 maybe it'll be ET5 although that sounds like a, a movie about aliens um, so I don't know it's a good question and we're going to talk a little bit more about that car on an upcoming episode of the EV Power podcast which is another podcast that we host of course and um, going to get a little bit into that in, in the new GMC Hummer and maybe we'll get into some EV startup news. It seems every week we're finding a new startup 
company that's coming out with an EV vehicle or, you know, launching or, or launching a stock or just putting out pictures of EV vehicles. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for the next episode of the EV Power Podcast. You can actually find that on rpmnewsweekly.com or uh, you can go straight to evpowerpodcast.com as well. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think it's about time for us to wrap up this episode. What do you think, Rich? Yeah, it sounds like that's a wrap at this point. Yeah, we've talked a lot of uh, Cadillac, which is great because I'm very happy to have some seat time in the most recent models. And I'm also looking forward to what they're bringing out in the future. And like I said, don't forget to check us out on the EV Power podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Lyric. And, you know, if you miss us that much during the week, you can check us out at rpmnewsweekly.com where you can find past episodes as well as Rick's Tech Talk. Uh, There's usually new episodes every week. Uh, Rick talks about automobiles. He talks about science, e-stuff. And he also, you know, talks about Elon Musk because he has the the Musk Minute uh, if you can't get enough Tesla news. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us this week on the RPM News Weekly podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at rpmnewsweekly.com for more automotive news and interviews.